0: Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. <clears throat> the show had been delayed a little bit because I was a little under the weather. And joining me, as always, is my partner, Ralph. Bevo is on a well-deserved vacation for the next two shows. So we have our first guest speaker. And it is Seth, and most of you will know him from the popular Noster Nest Bitcoin lobby. Say hello to everyone, Seth.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: <clears throat> and <clears throat> for... Uh, Just so you know, we should be rejoining our regular schedule next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Eastern U.S. time. Tonight, we're actually talking about a subject that I wasn't really too familiar with here, and it was Seth wanted to do Plum Island. So for our non-U.S. listeners, off the coast of New York State is a small island called Manhattan, and it's more commonly known as New York City. Uh, next to that is a much larger island called Long Island. At the end of that island is a place called Montauk Point. It's the very last tip of that larger island, and there's a couple of other smaller islands out there in the Atlantic. Now, from New, York's, New York City's conception, it was a very heavy trading route. It was a m- very big business route. So it has been protected a lot by it has always had in its history uh, military presence in that region. So I knew a little bit about Montauk because there was an Air Force base out there called Camp Hero, and they had something called the Montauk Project, where they were a, a, they um, claimed that they were doing time travel, uh, dimensional travel, and teleportation. Since then, that base has closed down, and I believe they filled it with concrete, and Then on Plum Island, there is a laboratory. Seth had a book called Lab 257, and this is a lab that does uh, animal-style testing, I believe it was called, and uh, it was a little offshore uh, aside from the mainland. So this way, if anything, the story goes, if anything got out of hand, then it was far enough away to where it wouldn't hurt any of the major population, and there was less of a chance of things getting back. Also from there, with Montauk, Ralph posted a note the other day that I had seen once a while ago called the Montauk Monster. There was some really strange creature that floated up on Montauk shore and this thing doesn't look anything like any animal anybody's ever seen. It was very hard to identify. And, of course, there's always a lot of mainstream explanations for that kind of stuff. But uh, it was showing it, – it led a little more credibility to the fact that they're doing some weird stuff out there. Now, there's no question that they're doing it, but how much of it is what we know. So, <clears throat> Seth, if you want to bring everybody in and kind of tell them about that book that you have –
1: yeah. So it's a uh, familiar, more familiar. Um, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania and Lyme's disease is fairly prevalent around here. I know a lot of people, my wife had it. And, um, so when she had it, uh, went through the whole treatment process. Cause if you, if you let it, if it festers too long, it turns into an autoimmune type of thing and it, it can get bad. There's, there's all kind of varying things that happen there. So she went to a Lyme's, specialist doctor and that's how we kind of discovered this book through that that process and um essentially the story is that um after world war ii you know there was still competition amongst these these great powers and you know russia was a threat um to the u.s system uh whenever it, it uh was uh you know when when they were competing you know so before the cold war uh the Department of Defense needed to, you know, try to continue to compete, and the idea was that the the Russians, you know, they're they're developing these biological war uh, warfare weapons, things like that. So they um, got this, you know, Plum Island uh, property over there, and they brought in. Um, I think there was actually a relationship to Operation Paperclip, which were like the Nazi scientists, right?
0: Yeah, I did run into that. <clears throat>
1: Yeah. And so they um, had, you know, this defense team that was uh, conducting these experiments. Of course, it was all in the name of safety. You know, we want to be able to treat these diseases and these things whenever they they come. But the the legend goes that Lyme's disease um, was created in that lab. So that happened, you know, pre and post Cold War. And um, then eventually it was uh, handed over to the department of agriculture um, to take over and somewhere around the early 80s in lyme connecticut you know lyme disease this mysterious disease started uh, spreading around the northeastern part of the united states which is lyme's disease uh, spread by ticks and um, as i mentioned you know we're pretty used to it around here it's uh, pretty common i pull a bunch of ticks out of my dog um, you know, every spring I had one on me uh, earlier, but I have like super blood. So I don't think it got me because the tick was dead whenever I pulled it out. So um, and, you know, it, to back up
0: on that, there was during that time, aside from pulling scientists over for paperclip for what we are familiar with, with the rocket program, <clears throat> they realized the need to pull every scientist that they could to just load up every department to stay way ahead of it so biowarfare was on that list too so they did have one of their guys one of their top nazi guys and he was the founding father of that
1: island actually or that laboratory well yeah and don't forget the sort of the mood of the nation then and that was after the manhattan project where the nation really came together and developed the nuclear bomb and they had these top scientists so that was kind of the mentality is we have to keep competing to to keep up, you know, Russia was the other big uh superpower that was still uh, like a contender at that point. And so, you know, that was the idea is to be a scientific powerhouse and um be able to compete with the uh, with the, you know, with the Russians. And I think it, you know, these things just uh get out of hand. Now now it lands in the conspiracy realm, of course, because, you know, we'll never know the the real truth, right? We can only speculate. Right yeah and
0: uh at that time that they were doing that the russians were they were using bio different types of bio warfare on the russians and i thought it odd because not odd in that sense but when i heard that it's possible that lab 257 actually infected uh ticks with lyme disease and released them on the island that they traveled by bird to connecticut which isn't very far and that's where the first outbreak started. And I, it wasn't the first time I had heard this. I'm not sure the exact details on some of the other ones. But American biowarfare has been used on its own population over and over. They uh, infected uh, mosquitoes with malaria and released a whole bunch of them, I believe, in Georgia, just to see the effects to how they work.
1: Well, yeah i mean it's it's very uh similar you know hey we we just went through covid and the wuhan Wuhan leak uh very similar uh concept there where these you know small pathogens uh, whether it was intentional or it escaped who knows um we may never know but uh regardless it's you know now it's something it's a phenomenon across uh you know, certainly the northeastern part of the United States, and I'm, I'm sure it's spread to different areas. And now it's something we have to live and adapt with uh, for that, whatever happened back in, you know, 1981. That, uh, I think it was 1981. It was the
0: early 80s. And, you know, Ralph, uh, <clears throat> some of that information that you sent us, I was looking at it. I had run into, I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced. It might be Morgellons disease. I had run into that a while ago, and I hadn't looked into it in a really long time, but there's no cure for this, and it's a disease that actually grows very small fibers of blue and green on somebody and constantly uh, irritates the skin. The thing is, they don't know anything about this particular disease, but what was unique about it was the only thing that seemed to help out a little bit was Lyme disease treatments. So it seems to have some type of root in that whole same thing of Plum Island with the Lyme disease. And uh, the odd thing about those fibers is the basis of those fibers don't really exist in nature in too many places. They're so high up on a taxonomic rank that it would be very Difficult to cross them naturally, so it is suspected that these are getting crossed intentionally to create these diseases Have you guys ever heard of Morgellons? Morgellons? Uh, Yes, uh, in
2: preparation for the show I read about it Um, The thing is that uh, This disease uh, only uh, um, You can only find it in people who uh, suffer from Lyme disease as well so there oh, must really? be a connection, yes. Okay. There's, there's not one case where the person uh, which got this disease did not have Lyme disease as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. We,
1: you know, the the origins of this were, um, you know, the 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 warfare tactic was to, uh, you know, wars, you know, built out of deception, right? And so I think it was in the 50s there was a, a military plan that they wanted to cripple the Soviet economy by killing horses, cat, and cattle and swine. Um, so that was the original uh, effort, you know, behind in this thing. I mean, I don't think the initial intention was that this was going to spread to humans, but um, you know, without ha- understanding the full grasp of the unintended consequences, this is what happens.
0: Yeah, it could have. And that's, uh, records say that the uh, lab itself really focuses on animals primarily. So it's not uh, targeting humans. Well, they say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there couldn't be some crossover. <clears throat> and yeah, they were, uh, I mean, lo- look, at a, a better way a- and say, a, uh, a, a, I hate to use the word, but a safer way to have country dominance over another country ...without having to go to war or do anything very destructive, is to just release some type of animal bioweapon and start killing off food supply.
2: Yeah, I thought the same. I mean, uh, if uh, United States would uh, have attacked Soviet Union with a nuclear weapon, there would be retaliation immediately. But with such a kind of weapon... How can you uh, say, oh, it came from the United States or wherever?
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's very true. It's got a very clandestine appeal to it. And uh, yeah, and it, it could just be localized. There was, uh, <clears throat> I had read this a long time ago, there are certain diseases that even if they um, attack cows, you will see that certain species of cows have a lot less fatality rate So we're talking about these guys actually custom tailoring diseases to something very specific. So, yeah, I saw I thought of this a while ago and I'm like, yeah, you know, if if you had a really sneaky way to do this, it wouldn't be that hard. And I ran into when they were talking about that they were testing how fast they could spread things. And there was a few guys that they used as testers, and they used a particular bacteria in the size of a container about a light bulb size. And they sent them into Manhattan's subway system, and they just broke them on the tracks. And the trains carried the the air and the bacteria from station to station, and it was just to see how many people could get infected at that point. And they also had guys that were walking through Washington, D.C. with vented briefcases. And inside the briefcases was another type of bacteria just to see how many people they could affect and trying to get, I mean, it's very sneaky. And, you know, just trying to get the highest yield you can out of that situation.
1: Well, yeah, the scientific method, right? There's the hypothesis, and then you got to test to discover how it works. And, um, you know, that's the challenge when, you know, bureaucracy meets, uh, scientism where, um, you know, in the name of, uh, all things science, you have to continue to move forward and make, you know, quote unquote progress. Yeah. You have these unintended consequences that, that escape as a result.
0: And if your job is national security, that's how you sleep at night by saying, look, this might save millions of Americans later on down the road. Yeah,
2: in New York, they figured out that uh, with this kind of method, they would have killed four hundred
0: thousand people. Holy shit, man! By just breaking the vials on the tracks? Yes, exactly. It was three light bulbs they threw. Was... <laughs> oh man! Yeah, because that's a pretty contained system there. That is something else, man. I, you know, but, uh... but uh, with the briefcase story, um,
2: eleven uh, older people got ill back then because it was not such a, a, a harmless bacteria and, uh, four died.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So there was fatalities from it. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> and, you know, also <clears throat> while I was thinking about this, I'm looking at it and I said, you know, I, I'm not really sure why, but why would you test it on your own grounds? I mean, is it easier to record data that way
1: well you know i think you I mean? have better control over the the sources right it's within your borders and and uh i i don't think that they're you know everything you know the road to hell is paved with uh, good intentions right so it's uh well we got to sacrifice a few cows to uh you know to to make sure that uh we we have a a safe environment later on we're doing it for the greater good yeah yeah the ideology behind it
0: yeah you know something else I found that was really funny they actually have sniper teams on Plum Island that are designed to shoot deer that might try to swim across to it
2: yes because I think the origin of uh, Lyme disease was found in uh, deer ticks
0: oh was it okay And this
2: this would make uh, sense I mean can be a coincidence of course but
0: Yeah, you can connect those two dots easily. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that. And, uh, you know, I I think that's an extreme measure to go to something that, you know, doesn't have any credence behind it. Like if you're telling me, oh, yeah, no, there's, you know, nothing much going on over here. And then you turn around with just trying to keep animals off the island to that extent. It's telling me, yeah, something is definitely going on out there. Absolutely. And what better place? Now, I also heard that they were uh, shutting it down or had shut it down.
1: No. Well, interesting. Uh, I, I think it shut down. Uh, they, they started really unpacking the details in the early 90s. I think Newsweek or one of these publications uh, broke the story that, you know, that they they were doing some suspicious things there. But... Um, One of the interesting things, I think it was in like the mid '50s, they transferred from the Department of Defense to the Department of Agriculture. I mentioned that earlier, and the reason being is because uh, the military started fearing that you know if they started killing off all these um, animals, then they're going to have to start finding ways to feed all these you know Russian citizens. Say they win the war, now you have all these people starving. They're going to find need to find ways to feed these people. as a result of winning the war. So, um, so I believe that was at least some of the ideas behind transferring it to the department of agriculture, but I think it's been, it was shut down in the, in the nineties, but let me confirm that.
0: Yeah. And also I had, uh, saw something that, uh, there was talk about actually selling the Island and, uh, opening it up and I'm thinking who in the hell in their right mind would actually buy that island <laughs> knowing what happened in that place you never know I mean you're on an island infested with ticks with diseases and you're gonna buy that place I, I said no there's there's nobody in their right mind would want to go there after what has taken place already
2: in <sighs> silence of the lamps they offer Hannibal Lecter to do a holiday there Oh really? In yes. <laughs> And and he calls it anthrax Island.
0: Oh no shit. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time. So this is a pretty popular story. Seth, when did that book come out, that Lab 257?
1: Um I'm gonna say it was sometime in the mid-90s, whenever the conversation really started getting around it. So I looked at um GPT here and you know it, it wouldn't lie to me. And it says that um, the Plum Island in in 2008, the Department of Homeland Homeland Security took over the ownership of Plum Island and announced plans to build a new state of the art facility on the mainland to replace the aging infrastructure. And as of 2021, it was still operational. Yeah, but
2: I think, I think they moved to Kansas
1: yeah that's they the was off to kansas um I, I read that as well but it is uh, according to this that it still exists uh, as government property under a different department
0: so seth am i understanding you right so this went from department of homeland security to the department of agriculture back to the department of homeland security
1: well it went from department of defense to the oh that's of cool. Ad, okay. agriculture and then homeland security was only Uh, built out uh, post 9-11, right? So that that came as a result of 9-11, which is a whole other podcast to get into. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so that's how that worked.
0: So it's still still now under a military-style jurisdiction. It's not under agriculture anymore.
1: It is government property. Yeah. Yeah. Take that as you will. (laughs)
0: You know, I wonder if uh, there's still when I saw the stories about Montauk, the Montauk project, I wonder if they're still doing uh, those particular kind of experiments, even though that base has been closed down, because I remember something I believe it was by Ben Rich at Lockheed said something in a press conference where they were asking him a bunch of questions. And he said, look, everything that you guys are asking us we've perfected by the 70s. So we have to look at this and say, you know, all of the rocket programs and all of this scientific programs, this stuff really geared up right around the World War, you know, eras, and it has not stopped. I mean, they've just gone balls to the wall with it. So now you can imagine, I mean, think of it this way, when they did Operation Paperclip, Nobody in America knew about paper, paperclip at the time. They would have lost their friggin' minds. You know, I mean, we brought a couple of thousand of those guys over and we just finished a war with them. So it begs to question, you know, what are these guys doing now and are these experiments still there? But with that Ben Rich statement, it's pretty wild to think that there are a, you know, a, an amount of biological warfare weapons that could be deployed at any time to serve any purpose. I mean, they could drop this stuff off in any country they wanted and essentially kill all the livestock right in that territory.
1: Anything for national security, right?
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there was this guy in the late 70s, like uh, after Operation Paperclip uh, got public, I think, or uh, in 79. Uh, The government said, like, you know, we have to check how many of those Nazi scientists are still around and where they are because it got a little bit out of control. And he went to this Eric uh, Traub, uh, this uh, guy, this Nazi scientist who founded Plum Island or gave his expertise in building Plum Island and uh, in the archive uh, from Plum Island, um, the folder... There was a folder with the name of Eric Traub on it, but the folder was empty.
0: <laughs> Why does that not surprise me in the least? <laughs> so at least we do know the guy did work there. Yes. Yeah, the, he did the, have the a guy, part in
2: this. The, the guy was uh, involved in the planning, and and uh, the uh bio warfare uh uh, with uh, horses and and cattle uh this or he already started
0: uh uh, in nazi germany oh really (laughs) yeah so he was already good at this before he even got out no wonder why we wanted him so bad yes he
2: he was one of the main experts in this uh, field
1: Well, that's gotcha. how it. that's how it's you know it's a, it's a competition right it, it the the history books and the stories say well we defeated nazi germany and and everyone went home and everyone was happy right but what happened was uh, a lot of the you know top scientists were extracted out of um uh, you know not uh, out of germany and, and, and you know from that regime and brought into the us to work on um, different scientific programs. And, uh, you know, this is one of them. I'm sure that uh, you can find evidence of this littered throughout uh, many other uh, departments. Take,
2: take another uh, major uh, achievement in the 60s uh, NASA and Werner uh, from Brown. He invented uh, V1 and V2 for the Nazis.
0: Yeah, he was a high up name. He was a yes. really high up name.
2: And he was uh, Operation Paperclip. I mean, uh, we had the episode about uh, MK MKUltra. I mean, uh, this was founded or this was not possible without uh, Nazi scientists who gave their expertise.
0: And, you know, that has to look very appealing to Americans. I mean, you're fighting, you know, during that war, the Nazis' technology was ahead of ours. I mean, they're first ones to do, like, the turbine engines and stuff like that. So... You have to say, okay, look, we can't get caught with our pants down like this again. So what we're going to have to do is pull these guys over. And it looks really good because you really don't care about what they did before, but you need them now to protect your own space. So yeah, we pulled Von Braun over and apparently this guy, what was his name, Ralph Traup? Uh, Eric Tra- Traup. Traup, gotcha. Yeah, yeah and you're going to want the top guys because if we don't get them, someone else is going to. I was just I watched,
2: able uh, I, I watched an interview with a Russian military from the 90s and uh, they asked uh, him about paperclip and and some uh, names from this uh, and and he said of course it was a race we wanted all those scientists as well
0: oh yeah oh absolutely yeah and that's the thing it's all you know right in Russia's backyard you don't want those guys scooping everything everybody up you know I just looked up a uh, national bio and agro defense facility is uh, the place in Manhattan, Kansas, and it's actually under the USDA. <laughs>
1: yeah. The, well, the, it, you know, the, the, the uh, Plum Island and, you know, that facility um, if you, if you read the, at least the summary, you know, the, they'll, say that um their objective is to you know uh to uh you know be there for the uh uh, their public health agencies and that they are you know contributing to development of vaccines and trying to prevent uh, potential outbreaks of animal diseases and you know it's all about public health right yeah Uh, which direction does that go
2: that's a good question but
1: well I think uh, it just goes back to you know unintended consequences I I, you know they're always trying to they're the 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 intentions are always great right but it, it is not without some side effect it's you know like a collateral
0: damage kind of thing
1: i think you know the idea it probably started you know with an offensive strategy let's you know try to kill all the cows in russia and whatever and then they said well now we have to you know rail it in and say well what if we have to feed all these people and then they're like well let's just you know work on preventing this from ever happening you know so everyone you know sign these are people that are working on it so they're not necessarily bad people they think that they're doing good and um uh, but you know, the, the outcome is that you, you have this, um, you know, this, this unintended consequence where people, um, you know, something would escape or, or, you know, these things happen. I mean, Lyme's disease, like in Pennsylvania, where I'm at is, you know, pretty common. Like, you know, a lot of people we camp with, like their daughter got it and stuff like that. If you're in the woods, I mean, you're bound to get a tick in you. And, um, you know, if you don't treat it right away with the, like an aggressive, um, uh, antibiotic, uh, it it can fester. And like, like I said, my wife had it and we went through this whole Lyme specialist thing and she got like a full scale treatment of like doxycycline, hydroxychloroquine, all kinds of different shit that try to flush your system out. I mean, it, it's like an aggressive approach to try to like, cause the way that you're talking about, like, um, you know, like how they attach themselves like in, in the cells and stuff. And I'm not a scientist, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but it, it basically latches on, you know, in through your, your, uh, bloodstream and it kind of goes and hides in these, in these places. So it's really hard to treat. You can't just treat it with like your standard run of the mill type of thing. So it, it requires like a uh, multiple stages of, of treatments that are pretty aggressive and like, you know, antibiotics aren't, free you know there's it takes a toll on on the body when you take those there you know it affects your gut and stuff like that and so um you know it, it but like around here nowadays you know it, someone gets a tick you just go like my mom had one uh about a year ago and went to the doctor they just gave her doxycycline right away and you know that it's a pretty aggressive uh pretty aggressive uh drug to you know just to, to flush it out but that's that's the prescription that they go with right now you
0: know seth is there anything that you can take to prevent that from happening if you are bit by a tick
1: well doxycycline's you know kind of the go-to um approach and i i think most doctors uh will prescribe it um but there's uh other things like i'm gonna butcher the solarium you can take charcoal which actually helps flush like your internal gut system out kind of a charcoal kind of attaches a bunch of things um there's another one i have up there um i I forget the name of it but like we we had this big bag of drugs like some was (laughs) over the counter some was uh what do they call it
2: uh, like uh, antibiotics
1: yeah the the antibiotics are um the uh hydro or yeah i'm mixing my names up here uh doxycycline that's an antibiotic it's a pretty strong one and um but there are like uh a couple over-the-counter things that you could take hydroxychloroquine was one of them that uh we we actually had some leftover and so when i got COVID, i was eating those you know despite whatever you know the news said i had them and they were safe enough and you know i it either way it didn't kill me so i don't know if right right you know let
0: me ask you something how long did your wife's treatment take
1: uh, um, like in total all the treatments weeks <laughs> really um, yeah she had to keep going back and we were paying out of pocket for it and uh hers started out so like here here's an fyi it'll show up as like a bullseye type of rash and hers wasn't exactly a bullseye but it was like in, like the skin was really irritated um i think she got it like we went to this like zoo petting zoo type thing and uh it was shortly after and it like stuck around and it lingers for a while. And and then after that she started, you know, just not feeling great. And and it's really hard to kind of diagnose. There's like a, a documentary on Netflix about it. And I forget the name of it. It's escaping me right now, but I can look it up. But um, you know, there's people that have been like, you know, crippled and paralyzed, and like not literally, but like, you know, certain parts of their body don't don't work as well. It's like very much a neurological disease, autoimmune, uh, you know, if that makes sense. So it can affect uh, a lot, affect people in a lot of different ways. You know, it makes your joints real achy. It's almost like an arthritis type of thing. It can manifest. How did you know.
0: she know to, that that was
1: it? Did she actually see the tick or is
0: that that sore? Well, yeah, the,
1: the, you know, the, the sore, the bullseye rat type of rash, um, is a, an indicator and that was there and it seemed no big deal. But then, uh, like a few weeks later started kind of, cause I remember she sent me a picture. I was like traveling somewhere. I think I was in California or something. She's like, I got this weird thing, you know? And it was like, ah, you know, no big deal. And, uh, um, then a few weeks later, she just wasn't feeling good like herself and just getting headaches and just weird, weirdness for lack of a better term, just something was off and it was really hard to kind of pinpoint and long story short went and, you know, it, you can, uh, do diagnostic blood work. And it, it, like I said, it's pretty common around here. And yeah, lo and behold, it was Lyme's disease. And they, I think the, you know, their primary care kind of gives you a, a round of the doxy and the, and then, um, but it, it just kept going. And so she found this Lyme specialist doctor And I'll see if I can find his name. And Um,
0: Ralph, at some point, did you run into what I ran into where they said that uh, some people are actually diagnosed with a mental illness but really have Lyme's disease?
2: Yeah. um, Paranoia and schizophrenia. And uh, they see things which are not, they're like worms under their skin and uh, such stuff.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. So I would imagine if you live in a place that has ticks, aside from mental, you know, a mental health check, you might want to get checked for Lyme disease first. That sounds like the more likely culprit to that.
1: <clears throat> yeah, like I said, it 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 comes about in very weird ways. Um, so it's it's not like all encompassing. Um, so it's it, it's something worth um, Looking into especially if weird things are happening um, and you're in a region that's you know got ticks and things like that it's there's a, there's a high likelihood
2: i can I can tell you a story about my neighbor he's in the, his 70s and uh, he started like uh, falling when he was walking and had problems with the memory and then they thought like okay he's old, it must be dementia. And then they treated him for I don't know two years or something or even longer, uh, and but nothing worked. Normal treatments you use uh, when to to slow down dementia and so so on. And then they um, one doctor said like uh, let's check the nerve water. They took a sample from from the brain, and then they found uh, this borio uh, boriosis uh, bacteria there and uh yeah so which kind of asked,
0: bacteria is that
2: yeah this uh lime this uh oh, bacteria oh God, causes yes. lyme. and uh yeah and now uh, they started treating treating him and hopefully uh, this is now a better way but yeah the the first diagnosis was dementia and
0: the uh, <laughs> yeah that's friggin' terrible i wonder though i mean seth you said you have to get lyme disease early on and so, Ralph, you said they were treating him for three years. So I wonder if that had run so long that, you know, that particular treatment, I wonder if he'll be all right.
2: It was because uh, the from from uh, what you would diagnose uh, a guy in his age, uh, uh, the closest thing was dementia. He forgets things, yeah. he has uh, problems with coordination and so on um yeah and then they say like okay then we treat you like this piece uh t- until uh they figured out it's nothing helps so we have to figure uh, try something else and then they figured out it's Lyme disease yeah,
1: yeah. it's pretty wild i mean it like i said it, it's a very neurological kind of autoimmune. Uh, that's the only best way i can kind of describe it because it's you know you, well your body's made up of you know, bacteria and, you know, fungus and all all these microbes, right? So when you get get this disease in there and, and it attaches itself, your body's constantly in this state of homeostasis trying to balance itself out. Well, this is a little more like overpowering, so it can affect different parts of the body, you know, it can affect the brain, it can affect like the joints, um, and and it's very, very hard to kind of really narrow down and pinpoint, and that's why It's such a complicated, you know, disease, but it's a, it's, I I want to say it's curable. It's livable. It's, it's not a death sentence or anything like that. But, um, you know, so there have optimism if you do discover that you have been bitten by a tick or whatever, and it's something that's treatable and, you know, there, there are ways to, you know, correct and, um, and, you know, help, uh, resolve it. You know, Seth, as you said, I was just thinking about this
0: while you were talking before what that is, what we know about that might have been released off Plum Island or escaped off Plum Island. And you said it's not fatal, but, uh, bio warfare is a very, you know, um, good way to take down an enemy, even if it's not just with livestock, because those diseases don't cause the amount of destruction that normal warfare do so you have to wonder look if these guys have been doing this since what you said around the 50s and we started finding out around the 80s so that was a 30-year gap now go from the 80s to now so we're in about a 40-year gap so i can't even fathom what the hell these guys have cooked up since then
1: well, what else came out in the 80s? Uh, remember the AIDS? We had uh, AIDS, yeah. epidemic the, ran amok. Well, uh, I'm sure that's just a coincidence, but <laughs> for another podcast.
0: Totally yeah. true. Totally true. There was, and I remember that because there were a lot of people, I mean, I was young, but I remember the people around me that didn't actually believe the official story of AIDS itself and the HIV virus. There were a lot of people that were saying, oh, we believe it was manufactured, yet you can't really find any of this stuff or prove it to way on down the road. So that's why we like to do these shows because we give a snapshot of what's going on in our time. What have we dug up so far so that the next generations can look back and go, okay, well, we have new information now and we're sure about this, you know? Cause it's a lot of speculation until we actually get some hard evidence.
1: Yeah. And well, how do you uncover it? I mean, you know, uh, a lot of warfare is deception and if it, you know, it it goes the same with COVID, right? If it was escaped from a lab or if it was intentionally released or whatever, I mean, the information was part of the warfare (laughs) program. Yeah. Yeah. That's always part of it. Yeah. Um, and but you know it's one of these things it's like embedded in society now it's like gonna be passed on genetically and it, through you know the dna code you know it's gonna you just upgraded your dna to uh, have some immunity to it or whatever uh-huh. and uh it, absolutely crazy
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's dna is like blockchain forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding um yeah so you know uh one of the shows we did, Seth Ralph was telling us it was the MK Ultra one, where you never know what's going to get uncovered because even though Ralph was telling us that the the Nazi guy that came over that did Plum Island, his folder was empty when they found it. There was that one MK Ultra story where they uh, they had so much paperwork they actually stored it into the building next to them. So that's how we when they emptied it out, we found what was it, Ralph? Like twenty thousand documents on MK Ultra. Yes. Yeah, and so that is how we find stuff. Every once in a while, we will dig something up and we will see it.
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, that's what happens is like they, you know, there, there's a, an initial uh, program or something that is, you know, classified. It, it's, uh, you know. Because of national security or whatever it, you, you want to label it. I,
2: my theory is uh, they just want to wait till everyone is dead who could then tell something about it. You know what? That's why had that, they had classified. same the...
0: idea with the Kennedy assassination because the, when the records were allowed to be released, it was so far in the future that anybody involved that we could have seen would have already passed on so we couldn't have done anything about
1: it i have that same that same theory that you do ralph well absolutely think about like you know civil war right the the tactics that were used back then are probably buried and much unknown um you know it was written by the winners so uh we we hear the stories that are you know written in the history books but i'm sure there were secrets and approaches that were used there and only the Uh, ones that want to be revealed are revealed. And even uh, World War II, remember the, uh, I don't know, I think it was released in the mid-2000s. There was a strategy because everyone had uh, planes flying over and they could do photographs. And uh, I think the U.S. actually had like inflatable tanks or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. they, Yeah. They just released that like, you know, I think it was 60 or 70 years later. Yeah, after, oh my God. The war, so. uh, better late than never i guess
0: <laughs> and yeah not... they,
2: they placed it at the coastline of england so the germans thought the invasion comes from a different position
0: so yeah. listen guys i'm still not feeling too well i think we had a good show and we still have 15 minutes to bring everybody up on stage i'm gonna go ahead and stop the recording thanks again guys give me one second here